At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Nation? We are back again, and today it will be no shortage of inspiration. We have someone who I've looked up to as a mentor, as a coach, and as just pure inspiration, Mr. Tim Story. Tim, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? I just want to say what a cool name you got. Let's go with that. <laughs> I appreciate that. My mom is after the Levert song. I'm sure you know the Levert song. Of course. Uh, yeah, so it was after Levert song. I got to give all the credit to her, but I'm definitely when people ask me nowadays, I'm no Casanova. But so I, I love your story. We're going to get into that. But I also love the success that you've displayed, not only in a short amount of time, but I mean, over the last 30 to 40 years, it's been phenomenal. So I always like to make sure that we give the proper introduction. And I always like to think of us as entrepreneurs, just like superheroes. And what that means is we're constantly, we're putting on a cape, right? We're, we're jumping into character and we're trying to solve any problem that we can find in the world. And so before you being featured in all of the national publications, before you being a world-renowned inspirator and speaker and on the biggest stages ever, let's talk about when you were just a young boy. Tell me, who is Tim's story? Well, when I was a young guy, I was just like a normal kid with a lot of energy and loved entertainment. Remember the first time I saw the Jackson Five on the Ed Sullivan show, this way before your time. <laughs> and man, the four of them were good, but Michael stood out. <laughs> and you could just see that magic. And so I think that there were times in my life where I saw magic happen. To be magical is extraordinary, supernatural, unusual, not normal. And so I think the magic in me gravitated to the magic that I saw in other people or sometimes other places. Like I remember the first time they took me to Disneyland when I was seven, man, I'd never seen these rockets were flying, you know, the ride. Then you went to It's a Small World After All. You saw people from all over the world. And it, it inspired the magic in me. So at the time, we were cramped and crowded, seven people in a two-bedroom apartment in a, in a part of L.A. But the, the magic was already stirring. Watch out when that magic starts stirring. God, I love it. Now, for your other brothers and sisters, were they just like you? Or when you were young, did you feel like you were the odd person out? Because if you were a big dreamer and you were constantly gaining inspiration, where, did it feel like that you didn't fit in? Or did you feel like their whole family inspired you to be a dreamer and always, you know, basically uh, encouraged you to dream? As a That's actually kid? a really good question that I, I don't think I've ever been asked that. So we had five children... And I'm the youngest by far, but all of them turned out well. So my older sister is super, super smart. So she led the, the way in the, the form of education because my mother was super busy working a shift and a half at Winchell's Donut Shop. Hmm. But my older sister made sure, you know, we did our homework. If we didn't know a book about a book. She would tell us about that book. If we didn't know a word. 
she'd have us look it up in the dictionary. So I would say that the from the oldest all the way down, it, it was in our gene. And then we just started to feed off each other's energy. So we all we all turned out good. Got it. So from what I heard, it, it was a lot about your environment because you grew up from what I know, you grew up in Compton, right? Yes. Which back then, it was a rough time, I would imagine. Did you grow up in a good part of Compton or were you constantly seeing drugs, gangs, violence? What was that like for you as a child? So for, for us is that I, being the, the youngest by far, that my time in Compton was only for a period of time, but but we also grew up in, in other areas that were not so great. But the thing is, it's amazing that you could be raised in an area that's not so great, but be in a, a house where good things are going on. Hmm. So you could create your own culture. So maybe a lot of what was going on outside of the house with the first maybe three neighborhoods that I was raised in was maybe not so good. But in the house, there was a lot of order. Hmm. Like, you know, I always say we may, we may have been lower income, but we were never lower class. Hmm. Like, I mean, the dishes were done, the house was together, you know, everything was just bam, bam, bam. And that became the discipline of who Tim's story is today because my mother taught me don't do a halfway job, so I don't. You know, I show up on time. I do things on time. I'm able to multitask all the different projects I have. And I don't get dramatic in the midst of the drama. That was all kind of taught by my mother. Got it. I love it. What I got out of that was we always stay triple C, as I like to call it, cool, calm, and, and collected. So you, you never get too high when the highs and you never get too low when there's lows. And I love that. And I've heard you reference your mom and your sister a lot. Was your dad in your life? Yeah, my father was a great man. But unfortunately, one night he went to go get my mother food and he was running a green light, which you should. You should go through a green light. You know, so he's driving green light. Man runs a red light. Boom, hits him, takes him out. And so my father died when I was 10. And that was difficult because my father had a lot of charisma, a lot of energy. And so that was difficult on the family. So my mother only had a sixth grade education and worked at a donut shop, as I said earlier. So that was a, what I call a life interruption. That unless we had help, we would have been in trouble. So our help came from the church. We were, we were church people and our pastor came in and really helped us with structure on how we were going to continue to get up and out, which we eventually did. Yeah. I love that. Were you the only boy male in, in out of the seven or was you three sisters okay. and I have a brother who was an, an engineer at McDonnell Douglas doing very well. And he passed away several years ago. So I'm the only living uh, boy. And, but I've always been a big leader in my family in the area of inspiration. Mm -hmm. And then by the grace of God and hard work, I became very successful in my early twenties and started making a lot of money. And that was good for my mom. Right. And the reason why I asked that is because losing, especially when you the way that you described him, having a lot of charisma, right, having a lot of values that he could have taught you, you then lose him at 10, where it's, it's I guess for someone who never knew their father, you didn't know what you really lost. But at 10 years of, of having a relationship with someone and then you losing him, you feel a lot of hate, you feel a lot of animosity. Right. And you feel like someone stole something from you. So at yeah. 10, how were you able to overcome that? Was it just the pastor that became your mentor? Or what was that like for you? How did you not go down the path, the path of feeling like that you were cursed? Yeah, so I think Casanova that, that because I've spent so much time studying on grieving, uh, some people can feel hate, some people can feel anger, but some don't. Hmm. So some people just feel loss. Some people feel fear. Some people feel sadness, depression, 
So everybody reacts and responds different. And that's just because I studied the subject. I just did a big thing with Deepak Chopra on just on the subject alone. So for me, I was not angry. I was not overly bothered. I was just saddened that there was like a, a void and a vacancy in our house. And that and that all five kids were going to respond differently. Where my brother, he just started leaving the house a lot. My sister made an excuse to live with a friend and she was only like 16. So everybody responds differently to a crisis, a setback. And so for me, what I did is I responded by realizing I had responsibility to really help take my family to another level. And Oprah asked me this. She said, did you really know this at 10? I said, yes. No, I knew at 10 that I'd be Tim's story. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was wondering because you said I was already studying grieving. You don't hear a lot of 10-year-olds that's studying anything like that, right? To, to then be able to understand that everyone responds differently. Was, yes. was there a book? Was there a, a sermon that you heard? Like what gave you the confidence to say, hey, here, I understand that they're grieving in their own way. But because you, you should feel like more people are going to take care of you. You're the baby of the family. You guys got to respond well to me, but you were able to stay cool, calm, and collected. What do you attribute that to? The, the studying of grieving was not in book form at that time. It was in watching. Hmm. So there's three main reasons or three main ways that one learns. One is observation. Second is conversation. Third is education. And those are Tim's story saints. I love it. So observation is what I saw. So I saw all my family responding different to grieving. So that, that's how I learned grieving at first. But then you also learn through conversation. So as you get older in life and you find out about people that suffer loss, then through conversation, I learned how they handle grieving, whether it be good or bad or indifferent. Then I decided later in life, probably 18, to really dive into this idea of the comeback. And so that's how I became the comeback coach to the stars is since I was 18, I started studying what a setback is, what a setback feels like, why people sit, settle and cement themselves in a setback. And with setback comes grieving. And so that's the education start side started at age 18. God, I, I love it. Now, there's a lot of people right now that's feeling that exact way, that they've had a setback. They've lost their job. Maybe health is taken apart because they've experienced directly some of the side effects of, you know, COVID or anything else. What, how do you coach people out of that right now in a time where there's so much uncertainty? And even because before this pandemic that we had going on, depending on when you're listening to this, there's a lot of people that, you know, they could have went and gotten another job. But right now, it's like when no one's hiring, a lot of the world shut down. How do they get through their day to day? How would you encourage someone to come through their day to day? Yeah, I think number one, what's very, very important is that just because a young person is fairly good at basketball and they go to a Michael Jordan basketball camp for two days, doesn't mean they're going to be good. <laughs> it just means they're going to learn some things. Right. And so the reality is, is that many times people watch a podcast like this or they'll go to a Tony Robbins seminar or they'll, you know, go to Grant Cardone's 10X and they'll think, okay, ooh, my life's gonna be like instantly changed in a weekend. No, you may be challenged, you may be upgraded, you may catch fire, but there are stages to this. Hmm. And so the stages I actually wrote down, number one, you gotta become awake. Number two, you become aware, because you could be awake and not aware. And then thirdly, you gotta take inventory, you gotta say, oh man, I lost my job and I didn't save money. 
So therefore, I don't have any money in the bank. I will never be in this position again. Hmm. See, I, I, as a life coach, I want you to feel that. See, the way we felt broke when I was a kid, I decided not to be broke. Hmm. See, I told my mother when I was 12, you will never worry about money. I said, when I'm in my mid-20s, you will never, ever worry about money. So I'll tell you now, my mother doesn't ever worry about money. Right. You get it? I get it. Okay. So you got to become awake, aware. You take inventory. You got to take inventory, but get, get irritated if you need to. And then the fourth thing is, is that you got to find the right partners. People that have been through it before. See, that's why to me, social media is good, but social media is also silly. Because there's a lot of people with some silly ideas trying to lead us through. I need somebody with some backbone. I need somebody that understands, somebody that understands the battle. So that's why with you, Casanova, I think that when I hear about your story of setback early, okay, challenges early, even health challenges early, that I'll listen to you because you you turned a test into a testimony. Hmm. Make sense? It does. So 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 be careful who you follow because if the blind lead the blind, you're both going in the pit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, for you, you talked about you have to have the right environment when you were first on this journey, right? Because you said you became the inspiration for your family. So at 18 years old, 19 years old, you first start out on this journey. How did you find your tribe? How did you continue to sharpen your skills? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that they made the choice, the decision that they don't that they never want to be in this position again. But yet, they don't know how to find their congregation and level up. How would you encourage someone to find that? Okay. So I will say that I was one of the five children that inspired, but I inspired in my Tim story way that would take me to 75 countries to speak to 85,000 people at a time. Hmm. So, but my brother was, smart and worked for McDonald Douglas and my other sister was smart and ran a big company. So, you know, everybody did it in their own way. Right. So that's important to know. So the great thing about being in 2020 is this, is that if I want to get inspired, I could watch a podcast and watch Joe Rogan interview Kevin Hart like I did yesterday. <laughs> and just get blown off my couch. Right. Because Kevin is a preacher. Okay. So Kevin has been through some stuff and now he's preaching. Okay. Right. I could watch that or I could watch the last dance on ESPN about Michael Jordan. And I could, I could go, boy, that, that brother. Mike was he, different. He just don't play. He don't play. I mean, Mike he, was different. And he straight up just tells you who he doesn't like. And I, right. I actually enjoyed that. And his work ethic. So today, it is not difficult to get inspired, to get educated. And I say, don't look for your tribe. Become the person that you want to attract. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Become attractive. They'll come looking for you. Trust me. Pharrell Williams is not looking for friends. Right. No, I, I get they're, you. They're man. looking. They're looking for Pharrell. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the glasses. Wow. The dream. That is an amazing mug. I, I love it. I don't know if that was, you know, the, the pun was intended, but I, I love that seeing it. Now, for you, when you started out and you were speaking, was it always that you knew you were going to be a speaker? Did you always know you were going to, you know, get in front of 85,000 people? Because for a lot of people, they feel like they have that same courage, right? And they feel like they can inspire in their yeah. own way, like you have yours. I what think anybody, that? anybody that's hit it to high levels 
didn't see it coming. Hmm. I mean, I get to interview the best people's mothers. So I'm friends with Kanye West for 15 years. I interviewed his mother one time outside the studio. She said, I, I saw potential, but I didn't think he was going to be Kanye West. Robert Downey Jr., my great friend, interviewed his mother. I saw him doing well, but I didn't know he was going to be Robert Downey Jr., Brad Pitt's mother. I saw him doing well, but I didn't see him being Brad Pitt. So I think that most people to become really great at a certain level is not just a decision. It's part of a decision. It's partly a decision to just say, boom, I'm going to go. That's like Beyonce saying, turn the light on. Right. You got to turn the light on. Right. So you turn the light on. People are watching. They turn the light on. So that's a decision. But where real greatness happens is in the discovery. Hmm. See, most people, they don't get that. That's why they only go so high. Right. They're so caught up in their choices in their mind that they're missing the open door that just opened up and you didn't even see it coming. Hmm. See, I didn't look for Oprah. Oprah found me. I didn't look for Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey found me. I didn't look to be doing all these movies and plays and TV shows. They found me. But had I not been open to it, a lot of those doors I would have missed because they didn't come in the package. I would have seen it. Like a lot of times I'll meet somebody and they'll go like, Hey man, Tim story, you got a minute, you know? Uh, and I go, yeah, I don't know who the person is. And I'm at a big conference and I'm signing books or something. And they'll go, I work for, I won't even tell you who, but it's like heavy. Yeah. I work for boom. And they're looking for you. They want to talk to you. What if I was signing books and they said, hey, Tim, so you got a man? I said, oh, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a busy brother. And see, you got to be open to the discovery. Right. And I love it. It brings up the, the analogy, right, that we talk about broke versus poor, right? Broke just means you don't have any money. We're not talking about that. But poor stands for passing over opportunities repeatedly, okay. right? And for you, understandably, you understood at a young age that people were suffering from something and you decided you wanted to solve that problem. But at the same time, you were so aware, like you talked about, about that these opportunities were going to be coming your way and you capitalized on them at an early age. At what point did you know that, because you said, okay, I knew at 12, I was going to be Tim's story, but even with that, because we're human, there's doubts that we have in our mind. But there was some point where you got in front of that first audience or you did that first screenplay or you coached that first client that you said, man, I'm a bad boy. Yes. What was that? But the thing is, Casanova, is if I'm coaching somebody who's the best, which I coach the best, I don't coach the semi-best. I coach some of the best athletes in the world, the greatest actors, the greatest rappers. Being slightly undone is good. Hmm. You don't ever want to get to the point where you think that I am just the pinnacle. And I did this interview with 20 people who do well. And I said, in the midst of you being a star, did you ever feel like you sucked? And every one of them laughed and they said, you're brilliant, man. Because in the midst of me running stuff, there was a part of me that felt like I sucked. Including Michael Jordan. Yeah. Including Kobe Bryant. So I, I believe in the Mamba mindset, Kobe Bryant. I believe in how Jordan thinks. But the flip side of that is he was tripping because his father died. Right. He, he was tripping when he went through a divorce. Right. So on the same part of trying to really get the right mindset, that's my new book with Harper Collins is on mindset coming it. out next year. 
is that it's cool to be undone. Hmm. I, I doubt myself, but that's part of my strength. Hmm. Because then if I'm sitting with a great actor, I'm listening to him about how to maybe do a scene or getting into Broadway and working on this big play with a big budget with people that you know. I doubt myself, but that's what helps me to be uh, a little bit humble in this and, and come in and try to figure it out. So be confident, but also at the same time, know that you may not be what you want to be, but thank God you're not what you used to be. Right. I'm a work in progress. That's all I am. Right. And and I bring that up and to dive a little bit deeper into it, because a lot of people, they understand that maybe they suck and they're trying to still go through it, <laughs> but, but they don't have the confidence just like you said, the Mamba mentality, that Jordan mentality, you still were able to somehow go after the big name people, right? You still were able to know. And for a lot of people, they have that same talent, but they don't have that confidence because they feel like I suck. So I don't deserve to be in the room. How were you able to early on know that you sucked at least or not what you wanted to be or where you will be, but you were still able to keep taking action? What was what was that thing for you? And let me give you an example. So I, I won't say the rapper, but he's one of the best three in the world. So okay. just let your mind go. Yeah. So I'm rolling with that. I'm rapper. feeling like Doc. I'm feeling, but no, Dr. Dre's not a rapper, but I'm no, feeling. But I, I'm not going to say the name, but just know that they're rich and powerful. All so right. I'm rolling with that rapper on an airplane and we get off and Behind us is one of his guys that I didn't even know was on the plane. So he's rolling up behind us and catches up. So I start dialoguing with him and find out what he does. And this guy, what he does is he cuts this rapper's hair. So I said to him, I said, how often do you get to go? And he goes, oh, I'm with him all the time. So my thinking as a businessman is, really? I mean, why do you want a guy that's going to cut your hair with you everywhere you go? Are you with me? I'm with you. Nobody's hair grows that fast. Just nod if you understand. Right. But then the guy says, that's how I got in the door. The way I now stay in the door and go everywhere is he says, I'm his information man. I said, what do you mean? He says, I love information. And so does he. He says, I'm on the internet nonstop feeding him what's trending, what's going on. So there's a scripture in the Bible that says, a person's gift makes room for you and brings you amongst the great. Hmm. Say, so you don't need to be good at everything. This guy was good at cutting hair and being the information man. Got it. Oh, I come love on. it. I love it. That's, hey, that's more powerful than people realize right now. Oh, absolutely. Because, because so many people that I've met that have done extremely well started off as somebody's chef, somebody's driver, a guy that I will not mention that you know who he is. One of his managers started as his bodyguard. See, you see a man skilled in his work. He will serve in the presence of kings. I became skilled at something. I cannot be beat as a comeback coach. I cannot be beat. I really cannot be beat. So if someone says, well, why do all the stars come to you for this? Because I'm the best at what I do. But don't ask me to fix your car. Don't ask me if your air conditioner goes off. I love it. I love it. So, <laughs> and and you clearly have that Mamba mentality, right? That that Jordan in instinct. this in in this in this area. I don't have it in cooking. But early on, you had that <laughs> as well. You do. You had that even in a sense, right? Or you at least wanted to get. How did you act on it at that point? If we could go back, let's go twenty-five years ago, where you were in the trenches 
but you still had to have when LeBron first came into the league, he felt like he was the best. When Jordan first came into the league through the, the last dance, he felt like, listen, because they talked about it, they're like, this is Jordan, right? How did you have that at an early age? Because there's a lot of people right now that says, I'm the best barber. I feel like I could be the best comeback coach. But how do I act on that? I think, I don't think it's always you saying it. I think it's people recognize. Like, I'm not going to tell you all the people that call me the best, but you would know their name. Yeah. So after a while, you start to, to say they might be right. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I knew I was good. Then I got better. And then the best of the best said, you can't be touched. I love it. So I started to then say, I must be good at this. But great people, though, they they have a humility about them and they have to stand humility. So it's important if you know that you're really good at something. It's important to know there's other things you're not that great at. So so my source is not Tim's story. My source is God. Love it. So I'm I'm a supernatural guy. So if I'm about to go speak at a big conference, I'm not, even though I put in like 15 hours into one message, you know, I'm not like, I'm like just chilling. I hit that stage and it's over with. And it's over. Because watch, I'm downloading, man. Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. The, the one thing that you've always given people is inspiration and courage to go out and achieve great things. For a lot of people right now, they feel like once this all is done, they will go out and achieve great things, but yet they don't know where to start. For you, if you were coaching someone right now, and maybe they're not in a comeback situation, they're doing okay, but they want to know what is the thing that I need to be focusing on to make my next 10 years my best 10 years ever? Would you say that it's primarily spiritual or would you say that it like internal or would you say that it's external, like going to build relationships or would you say, what is it? It's all of the, all of the above. So the Bible says he who works his land shall have abundance. So I've been teaching this in big conferences for 10 years to work your land means you got to plow the ground, plant the seed water the seed, then you're going to get a harvest. Right. Most people want the harvest, which is the payoff. Like, I'm pretty. Discover me. Please. Come to Beverly Hills. Pretty people everywhere. (laughs) Or I can sing. Discover me. Have you not watched all the singing shows? There's a lot of people that can sing. So you got to plow. You got to plant the right seed. You got to water the seed. Now, this is where people mess up. Number one, they're not planting good seeds. They got bad attitudes and they're expecting good things. Hmm. And so one of the ways to make it in life is to serve another person's dream. Hmm. So when I first started to get around Barry Gordy, Quincy Jones, Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, I wasn't trying to get their contacts. What am I, stupid? I was serving them. If they got up, I got up. If they looked for their for their bag, I picked the bag up. If they looked like they were going to cough, I got a cough drop. Got it. I you love it. Smile. And it comes back to your point, right, when you were talking about the artist being the haircut, but then they went and got the information, right? I, I love that you brought that up. Yeah, you got to plow, you got to plant, 
you got to water and then payday's on its way. Hmm. But but when is it? But Tim, when's my payday? I don't know. Just keep plowing, planting, watering, and but payday's gonna come. Right. Payday and payday will come. Oof, for some people and just blow you away, man. I love it. What's been the biggest obstacle? Because now people see the success that you've had, right? Being on, I mean, being good friends with Oprah and working with so many celebrities, but you've had obstacles and journeys. That's how you are a expert in the comeback. I would say what's been that biggest thing that you've had to come back from? Um, I think it's a lot of things. Give me one, give me one story. I think that to me, probably the most difficult thing was my own brother passing because my brother and I were super close. He was four years older than me and he struggled. Even though he was an engineer, he struggled with things. And because of that, his his body just gave way. But that was difficult because I felt a lot of guilt because my thinking was, how could I help so many people and yet my own brother who I loved and he loved me didn't come all the way through. Hmm. So I would say that that would be my, my biggest thing. No and doubt how did about you, it. And, and that's very deep. And I, I love that you shared that the transparency of it. Yeah. Um, but how did, how did you overcome that? Right. Because I think I was listening to an interview that you had said, and you were talking about how you coach so many people, but one of the saddest things is not everybody comes through, right? As in some people still take no, their lives. A lot, of people, a lot of people don't come through. And that is so, so difficult because I work with prison reform with Robert Downey Jr., Scott Budnick. You know, we do some things that are doing okay. With prison reform, I work with addiction and a lot of people take their lives in the area of addiction. So that's hard to deal with. So I think that, you know, people that change the world always have something slightly hanging out. Hmm. So I don't think the goal is to ever be completely healed. There are still things that trigger me about my brother's death. And I'm okay with that. Don't ever forget that. The, the idea is not to have the perfect day and then you lie down in your white sheets and go, look at me now. I mean, I know the most powerful people on the planet. I didn't say just in LA. I said on the planet. Hmm. All of them have something hanging out. Wow. If it's not them, they're tripping on their wife. If it ain't their wife, they're tripping on their kid. If it ain't that, they're being sued by seven people. So all the stuff you see that looks so amazing, when they lay down on their sheets, whatever color they are at night, there's something hanging out. Man, it's so great that, that you say that because in the world that we're living in right now, especially you mentioned social media earlier, right? And, and it can be bad because that's all we see. It looks like everybody has it all made, right? And they don't show you their, their insecurities. They don't show you their flaws. They only show you the perfect thing. So I think for the average person, they're looking at that and they're saying, I'm not good enough. Right. I don't, I, I, because I, I have all of these problems that who's going to listen to me, who would want to hear my comeback story? Yeah. I think that the, I think when you when you think to yourself that you are wonderfully flawed is a beautiful thing. Like some of the the clients that I that I coach, they have ADD, but they got it like they should put some more D's on it <laughs> <laughs> because they got it like D, but they're running like empires because they learned how to use that distraction to run that company, then 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 that company. So, but, so they're beautifully flawed. Right. I know people that have personality disorders that are some of the most brilliant people I've ever met. Hmm. So, so I'm not ever trying to look like the cover of the box. Got it. I love it. At all. 
at all. <laughs> no, it, that, and it's that's amazing that you say that, especially knowing the the credibility that you already have. I think for a lot of people that are listening, if maybe they didn't know the you know amount of powerful people that you know, it would be harder to really believe that. But it's good to hear it because for each and every one of us, we all have demons on our backside. But just like you said, becoming beautifully beautifully flawed yeah. and also. And also just believing that you can get there if you have the right mentality. Has there ever been, let's let's even just say over the last three years, has there been one book that you've read? You talked about Joe Rogan's podcast with Kevin Hart. I listened to it as well and I was just as inspired. But has there been a book or a person that you've went to that you didn't have access to, but you loved their message and what they taught you? Yes, but it's people that are dead. It's like right now in the History Channel, you could watch the story of George Washington. Hmm. So they say about George Washington that in his early 20s, he sucked. Basically, he wasn't really winning the wars he should be winning. Then in his mid-20s, he's trying to work it out. 30s got a little better. 40s got a little better. He kind of moved it up. Kept progressing. Okay. Then I like The Crown on Netflix because they introduced me to another side of Winston Churchill because I had read this big book on Winston Churchill. But The Crown on Netflix introduced me to another side of Winston Churchill. So I went, oh, this is interesting about this man, Mr. Never Give Up, Never Ever Give Up. You know, the brother was working through his own insecurities and, you know, stayed around too long. And so... No, I learned a lot from people that passed. In fact, some of the best stuff that's ever been written, people died already. Some mm. of this stuff written today is silliness. People, I'm, I'm trying to tell you right now, if you want to create something that's going to last a long time, you got to let it marinate. Mm. When I talk to Stevie Wonder or Smokey Robinson, when they wrote those songs, they let them marinate. Hmm. Some of these songs, they didn't let out for three or four years. And they would let them just marinate. And then Barry Gordy would say, you know, I think, I think smoke. It's time to let that song out. Come on. The, the brother, this is my friend right here, Lamont Dozier. He wrote Stop in the Name of Love. Hmm by the Supremes. Yeah. He wrote all these songs, anywhere from Diana Ross, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Smokey Robinson. He's written, listen to this. He's written all these top songs. And I mean, brother's worth so much money just in his catalog, into the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions. Same thing. Let him marinate. Keep planting. Keep watering. Let it marinate. Work at Taco Bell. Hmm. Work at Taco Bell. Make me a gordita and smile. <laughs> and, and, and just keep working on your craft. Keep working on it. Just keep, keep working on smile. Just say, this is just, this is just for a season. Keep perfecting your recipe. Keep perfecting it. I love it. I love you know? it. And I love that you talked about, you know, watching somebody over time that keeps getting better because one of the people who I've gained a lot of inspiration from with my story is, is Jay-Z. And I'm sure you probably met him, maybe even coached him. Uh, but the thing I love the most about it is we got to watch this brother go from 100,000, obviously even less than that, but really about 100,000 to now net worth of a billion dollars. Same way with Kanye. You talked about Kanye and his mother, Donda. But to watch them in the present form go from even three years ago with Kanye all saying how much he was in debt to now all of a sudden with the shoes and he let it marinate, right? He, he let it, it he, marinate. He let it marinate. I remember being in Kanye's house when he was working on a company called Pastel that he never really let go and mm -hmm. take off the way he could have with clothing. And at the time he was talking about shoes. I, I got to, to see so much inside from being around so many of these rappers. I won't just say it on Kanye, but it's the same thing I'm talking about is that 
they make a decision, but when you make the decision, you don't always know like this is the project. Hmm. See, this is this is where people need to really get this. The Bible says, despise not small beginnings. Come on, man. When I started speaking to like 12 people, I didn't know that was going to take me all over the world. Right. And Barack Obama would read my book as his devotion while he was the president of the United States. That's not that's not what I saw coming. Right. I didn't see all this coming. Getting to talk to you. I didn't see that. I didn't see this coming either, but the pleasure has been all mine. I'm telling you, I love it. No, but I'm telling you, I was cooking in the kitchen and doing the best I could. And then other people also started in adding their ingredients. And that's a real cue. You could close on that one. Yeah. Man, I got friends. We we just add ingredients. I was just yesterday, I was just minding my own business and BB Winans called. And he fate he's FaceTiming me. So I'm like, what's why is BB Winans FaceTiming me? So he had with him another famous person. So he and and he was just wanting to tease and joke and BB Winans, man. You look Denzel Washington, there's BB. You see Tom Hanks, there's BB. He's in the middle of everything. Oh, he's one of Oprah's best friends. Look what he did by being BB and CC. And then being BB. Right. Are you getting my point? I'm getting it. I'm getting it all the way. I love okay. it. But 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 he was just one of many brothers and sisters. They got a lot of, they got a big old family. But you just get on that journey, plow, plant, water, payday's on its way. Man, love it. The two things that I'm going to take away from this and the inspiration is is all around in this episode, but the two things that I'm going to take away is courage and resilience, right? Have the courage to be who you are. You said at 12 years old, you knew that you were 10 story, right? At 10, you were already even studying. And then the resilience to just keep stirring up your recipe, to keep planting, to keep working towards your harvest and when it comes it's going to be a big payday yes but i'm feeding off you so the thing let me tell you something about if you're smart the generation that has proceeded should feed off the generation that's coming up Hmm. so i see hope when i look at your eyes okay look look how lined up your hair is that color looks good on you. You got a nice microphone. You just interviewed my friend, Chris Harder. You're good at what you do. So I'm feeding off that too. You get it? I get it. Because you're, you're going to be a silly person if you just think, I got it. Right. Because I, I, I know for a fact that Stevie Wonder feeds off people like Ed Sheeran. You never would think Stevie's into Ed Sheeran. He is. Hmm. That's deep, right? That's very deep. Very deep. It's your surroundings, right? Having different perspectives, being willing to be vulnerable. And I love that. I absolutely love it. I I think that we can all learn something from that. To end it, I know that there's somebody out there just like me that's super inspired right now that's listening or watching this right now. But maybe they have that little voice in their head that maybe says that they're not strong enough they're not smart enough, or maybe they just don't have the tools and the resources. What's one thing that you tell that person to get them to just take action? I would say I got to go back to what I really know. And that is God's opinion of you makes man's opinion irrelevant. Hmm. See, I could come up with a a lot of things because I'm semi-smart. I could tell them to do this. I can give them five points to really get them to get a revelation. I mean, just, you know, I got big book deals, so I must be okay. But God's opinion of you makes man's opinion irrelevant. Mm. And when God says you're a masterpiece in the making, 
when he says, you are my workmanship created to do big things, buy into it. I love it. Can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) Just just buy into it. That's it. Don't try to create your own mojo. No, I buy into it. I bought into it already. I love it. Well, it's been an honor to have you on the show and we look forward to having you again at some point. Remember Dream Nation and the dream we trust, but just as he said, you must take action. You must continue to plant. You must continue to water and you know really advance your recipe. So if we don't take action, it'll only merely be a fantasy. So I hope that you've gotten some inspiration out of this just like I have, but we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks again, my man. You're very welcome. Life is good. Life is really good. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.